0: Marking its 40th anniversary in 2022, Blue Door is the largest emergency housing provider in York Region, providing life-saving support to children, youth, adults, seniors, and families at risk or experiencing homelessness. Along with offering emergency housing and housing retention support, in the past two years, Blue Door has expanded its service offering to further work toward preventing and ending homelessness through Inclusion, the first supportive housing program for 2SLGBTQ plus youth in York Region. Construct, a social enterprise by Blue Door, providing supported skills training to help youth and adults break barriers to employment and secure meaningful careers in construction trades. And launching in 2022, a health hub which will include a nurse and in-reach system navigator to help people regain the health and well-being needed to secure and retain permanent housing. Join Blue Door's mission and become part of the solution by learning more at bluedoor.ca. We at On The Way Home would like to acknowledge the original stewards of whose lands this podcast is recorded on. Welcome to On The Way Home, a podcast dedicated to the issues surrounding homelessness and the incredible experts making a difference in the lives of homeless people. Remember to subscribe to the podcast anywhere you're listening and share it with a friend.
1: Welcome to another episode of On The Way Home. I am your host, Michael Braithwaite from Blue Door. It's my absolute pleasure weekly to bring you this podcast. We talk about all things health, homelessness, uh, affordable housing, and everything that contributes to that really around reduction of poverty and taking care of our most vulnerable week to week we are so privileged to have awesome guests and today's guest is no exception before we get to that guest i want to tell you a little bit of what's happening at blue door and of course at our wonderful nation-leading partners the canadian alliance to end homelessness at blue door right now we are focused on doing some celebrations because hey would you know we've been around 40 years um, and doing great stuff serving our most vulnerable across york region and most recently even outside of the region with our concert program so more about that later but 40 years of helping thousands of people to find housing and what a privilege it is for us to serve our community uh, in that way and at the canadian lines and homelessness right now they run the biggest i think in north america conference around housing and homelessness this year it is going to be in toronto it's our first one that will be um in person but if you're not comfortable doing that in person or you don't want to travel they're doing a really cool model where it is both virtual and in person check out on their website at caeh.ca uh to sign up and i think you're still good by the time you hear this you'll still be good for the early bird discount you want to do that um and get involved there's so many uh, great speakers there great connections there. If you're in this sector, you don't want to miss it. Hey, and if you're a sponsor too, and you want to get word out to people in this sector, it's a great place to uh, invest in uh, and share uh, whatever you're doing with the sector going forward. So if you're interested in sponsorship, check that out as well. So lot's happening at both places, Blue Door and the Canadian Alliance. But today, let's get to our guest. Uh, listen, there's lots uh, over the last two and a half years, we've heard all sorts of uh, talk and chatter. We've seen encampments uh, pop up in, in alarming numbers across Canada, and that's due to uh, the number of spaces being cut back due to the pandemic, where we, it, you know, it's difficult to have shared spaces and keep distance, uh, and not everyone felt safe. And there's various reasons for uh, encampments that are coming. But well, we saw them grow during the pandemic, and today's guest uh, is a wonderful guest from Western Canada. It's going to tell us a little bit about how they went about working. Uh, on a response to an encampment uh, in their area. So we're going to work on that. So today's guest, I want to welcome Kevin Webb, who's the Director of Emergency Shelter and Housing at the Calgary Drop-In Center. We have uh, had Calgary Drop-In Center guests on this podcast a few times. And why is that? Because they do incredible work. Uh, years ago, you know, they've been around a long time, They're the largest emergency shelter in North America, I believe. And they said, hey, we want to go from caretaking to really housing people as quickly as possible because that's what everyone deserves right a safe place to call home they led the nation in doing that work they've been so generous in sharing that in fact they did something called the 600 keys campaign that they very generously shared with us we turned into your creature 200 door uh campaign where we housed over 400 people with a goal of 200 and they housed over or they got uh, 600 people keys to their apartment or, or their new housing in that campaign. So they're constantly doing wonderful stuff. So this is no surprise. But let me tell you about Kevin. So Kevin's been working in the homeless service sector for 10 years and joined the Calgary DI, the drop in center, in 2018. He's worked in various departments within the DI, most notably as the manager of emergency shelter, the senior manager of housing, and currently the director of emergency shelter and housing. An advocate for system change, Kevin prides himself as a constant learner and is currently building upon. His criminal justice diploma with further education and management. Hey, education never stops, regardless of whether you're a school or not. But good for you, Kevin. He's a member of the Canadian Shelter Transformation Network. I'd say he's more than a member, he's a leader there. Kevin frequently works with shelters across Canada to create, uh, to find creative, innovative, and compassionate ways. And that word is too often missing. Compassionate as well. Four, uh, four walls and a roof, and that good enough is not good enough. We need to find that compassion. Kevin's helping. Uh, And he's sorry. So he's looking for compassionate ways to advance housing-focused opportunities within the homeless service sector of care. Outside of the DI, he does have a life outside of the DI, folks. (laughs) Kevin is an avid fisherman and enjoys building fishing rods as well as other woodworking and leather crafting projects. He deeply enjoys the time he gets to spend with his family. To no surprise, Kevin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me today. So. On the show, Kevin, we always ask each of our guests because it means a little something different to everyone. There's some similar themes, so it's a little different. Our first question, of course, is what does home mean to you?
2: You know, um, when I saw the when I got asked, heard the, about that question, my, my first response was family. And then I started to really dig down into that and think about it. And, you know, with the population that we're lucky enough to work with, Um, If I look at it from that lens, it's about a place that I can walk in and take my shoes off and feel safe. Um, You know, so often in shelters, we see individuals that, you know, are sleeping with their shoes on and because they're so worried about about theft and those type of things. And, you know, just that home is a place that's safe, where you can be you and just have that moment to stop and rest and relax.
1: Sorry, Kevin, I'm just having a little trouble. I'm just going to... Mike, are you there? We might have to pause and and start over. So actually, we might have to edit a little bit. I'm having a little trouble hearing, Kevin. You were cutting in and out during that first bit there. Do you know if it's... Mike, are you hearing, like it was, it was start and stop, kind of? Mike Wixson, are you there? Mike? I'm not sure my mic's there. Uh... So I'm not, sorry, Kevin. No problem. I, it was when you were giving your answer. And I noticed when I, I did the intro about what is that, I didn't, I couldn't hear you respond. So I thought maybe you you were just pausing. Um, but during that, I heard little pieces back and forth that I'm not sure whether it's my end, the connection, or it's on your end with, with the connection. I just wonder if Mike can, if that was smooth for Mike or not. But I'm not hearing Mike now either. No. Mike Wixon, are you there? No, he walked away. Okay, so you know what we're gonna do, Kevin. Can you hear me now? Yep. You're frozen again. Maybe we'll take it from uh, what is homing to you. I'll do that again. Sorry about that. See if we can get it rolling again. Sound good? Yep. Okay. The first question we always ask our guests, um, and it's a little different for everyone because you know there's some similarities and themes, but it's a little different because it means something a little different to everyone. Is Kevin, what does home mean to you?
2: Home to me, um, you know, my first gut reaction to that question is always family. When I look at it from a lens of the individuals that we're fortunate enough to work with, um, it's about a place where someone feels safe someone that can come in, you know, you can walk into a place and be able to take your shoes off. Um, Often we see individuals in shelter that, you know, are tying them up tighter at night, worried about losing shoes, the worry about losing possessions. But a home is a place where you can walk in and take your shoes off, you know, put your bag down and just feel comfortable and safe and have that moment to relax and be able to look at what is next in for me today um, instead of being in that, what am I going to protect today?
1: Well, oh, thanks for that. And you're absolutely right. I think there's that theme always of uh, safety and family. What I don't hear, as, as usual, uh, as most guests, I don't hear any reference to the actual roof and walls. It's not about the physical structure, it's about it, what it personally means to people. Kevin, I talked to you a little bit about this in the introduction, um, during the last, I mean, well, there's been encampments always, unfortunately, uh, because of the, the lack of safe, affordable spaces for people and the variety too, that that figures into it. But during the pandemic, we saw, uh, encampments grow in size across the country. Um, and so can you talk to us about what you saw in Calgary?
2: Yeah. Calgary was no different than any other city across Canada or North America. Um, you know as the pandemic really started to come in and, and we started to see shelter beds reduced um the encampments around calgary started to grow you know we started to really see that there was a combination of it was the reduced shelter beds there was fear about coming into shelter because of covid um and then take the lack of affordable housing and the opioid crisis it has just created this perfect storm in calgary um that has seen those encampments grow and grow
1: uh, we, we we often heard about um, efforts to respond to encampments not ending well right so we know they're there uh, community groups would respond the cities would respond. Uh, right now I'm, you know, as we record the subsidy in the city of Toronto, which, um, last year, taking down a couple of encampments did not go well. There's criticism about the amount of money spent about, uh, the law enforcement piece of it, etc. And I know it's not a simple piece, um, but your community's response was a little, was very different. Can you tell us a little bit about
2: it? Yeah. I, and, you know, before we get into this and, um, you know, I've been in this this, doing this work for about 10 years. Uh, I've worked with encampments in the past. And I think that this response, it's one of the biggest highlights of, of my career. I'm really proud of the work that went into it and seeing the outcomes that came from it. Um, you know, so we had an encampment outside the Calgary drop-in centre. Um, it was about range 40 to 50 people, um, but on one small condensed street. The Encampment itself, um, the Calgary Police Service came to us and said that they've done some investigations and realized that it's it, there's a large criminal activity happening in the encampment, as well as because of that, there's so much violence that was occurring um, that they came to a decision that it just it had to come down. There was nothing else that we could do about it. And what was really interesting was that the the Calgary police service came and said to us, okay, how do we do this? How can we do this and continue to support the individuals that need it, that are out there? Um, So we got a group together that was a combination of the city of Calgary, the police services, the fire department, uh, the Calgary drop-in center as a social service, and really came to the conclusion that to do this properly, we needed to do it with a person-centered approach. We wanted to really be there as a support system, not as an enforcement system. Um, you know, it—it it was encampments are unsafe. It, it's not a hidden thing that you know they're this super great place to be, right? They're not. Um, so we we pulled the team together and started to look at it from a client or person-centered approach of how can we do this right and it was you know it was interesting at times right because we've we've got an enforcement side and we've got a city side and trying to get everyone together on that that you know let's go through this from supporting the individuals um and that was the core model for us to to do this encampment work when we really got into it Um, you know, we started to look at the three different, we look, we broke it up into three different pillars. So we had a a communications pillar, we had an operations pillar, and we had a social services pillar. Each one of those pillars, um, all had their own little core groups that worked together on the project planning for it for the day. Um, the operation side, it was really the city piece. It was about the cleaning up. You know the the bylaw services, getting the street cleaned after the the encampment work was done, the communication work, which was incredibly important. Um, you know we wanted to be proactive in the communication plan and not reactive. So not just having, you know, that group of individuals, the the, the three different pillars, come in, do the encampment work, and then do react to you know, social media and communications and media and that type of thing. Um, So the communication plan was set up that it was done ahead of time to really explain the reasons that we were doing this work and what we were doing to support the clients. And then we had the social services side. um, And that was a really kind of unique situation. So what we came up with was just because it was outside of our building and we have some space, we created a housing and resource hub, um, which was housing workers and ID workers and health services, and it was there to be that conduit and that support system for the clients to either go directly into housing or directly into shelter. Um, and we wanted to we wanted to do that as quick as possible, um, and really kind of. Give them options instead of just, you know, that response of, we're packing you up and you have to leave right now. Um, it was about, we're going to come in and tell you that you have to pack up and leave. But before you do any of that, let's figure out where your next steps are going to be. Construct, a social enterprise by Blue Door, provides high quality residential and commercial construction and property services in the greater Toronto area. More than a business with a heart. Construct is a real solution to preventing and ending homelessness. Through its eight-week paid skills trades training program, complete with wraparound supports and on-the-job work experience, Construct lifts people out of poverty and into opportunity. To hire Construct for your next project or learn more about Construct's employment program, visit constructgta.ca. For sure. and
1: Very, very cool. I love what you're saying about the the person-centered approach right so because every individual is a little different and I think sometimes the mistake we make is here's what's going to work for everyone and of course that's not it and setting up all those systems uh, and, and so you talked a little bit about it if you had to list say a few key pieces to that, just the success of that happening and I'm assuming that was very successful from the reason we're <laughs> together today uh, let's talk about some of those keys I
2: think the number one thing was the collaboration between um, the city, the uniform officers and the Calgary Drop-In Center. Um, You know, the fact that we all came together with that one core idea of supporting the individuals was the number one thing. I've been fortunate to talk to a few other cities about the work that we've done. Um, And that seems to be the biggest hurdle for individuals is to get everyone on the same page and the fact that we had that was you know it was key um, you know I, I think a perfect example of that was we had one client that was out on the um out on the Derm- on dermot baldwin way adamant they weren't going to leave and um, you know we ended up the individual worked with with our outreach team they worked with um, the Calgary Police Services, the Calgary Police Services Indigenous Committee. Um, and then what in the end ended up happening was the Cal- one of the Calgary Police Services officers, he made some calls, found out that the individual could get into some transitional housing in, um, in British Columbia, then came back to us. We made some arrangements. We ended up being able to get the individual a flight to BC. Um, but the Calgary police Services arranged with our local airport authority to allow our outreach workers to be with the individual right up until the time that they got on the plane. So that collaboration piece, right. And it was that, that one individual was led by a CPS officer. Um, <laughs> was the, it was the biggest key.
1: That's incredible. So, you're telling me that you guys found adequate housing in another province, got this person on a flight? Now, I mean, that's incredible, incredible. And that's the length that you went to to support. And that shows this is what this person needed and you found a way. Yeah. Very, very cool. And so, let's talk a little bit more about that expanding. So, that's one person went to a different province, uh, many did not. So, where do they like, and I think that's part of the criticism of. But, you know, people are, or law enforcement is breaking down encampments. like, I'm just going to go down the street and set up again. Like, where do they go? And where did uh, people in this encampment, um, can you give us a few
2: examples? Yeah. So, I mean, we got into, we didn't, the Calgary drop-ins ever had never in 60 years, had never had an outreach program um, until this encampment started. This is going to kind of lead into the whole thing, but um when we started our outreach program, we really went with a, an intentional outreach program that it was about diverting individuals from encampments into shelter. And that's the same model we took with this. So, um, you know, we were really lucky cause we set up that resource hub, that, that whole resource hub was about let's get people into the building. Um, so the day of we actually had 36 individuals that were still in the encampment Um, of the 36 individuals, all, but about four either were brought into our shelter, diverted to another shelter um, or housed immediately or relocated. Um, There were, we guesstimate about four individuals that actually moved on to other encampments. And we did follow them for a little while and then, um, you know, there was, we we were working with um, them in their other encampment on housing. Um, We were able to get one of those individuals housed and we've kind of, you know, we're still, we're still in the search for the other ones to continue that support plan. Um, And then since the individuals came back into shelter as a housing focused shelter, you know, we were all about the housing work um and so we had about eight more that got housed um you know a bunch of people that you know as we started working with them we realized that the, the drop-in center might not be the best shelter for them um you know so let's let's divert them to the appropriate shelter that's going to give them the best support for that individual um yeah it was um it was really great to see all those people kind of come in off of those dangerous, that dangerous street, and um, are being supported right inside the building.
1: Very cool, and, and, a, and a great effort. Um, and I think, as you said, you, you and your team worked so hard to get that key to a front door uh, in everyone's hands, so congrats on that. Um, so the day of, everyone comes together, you said, all right, it, operation, uh, uh, working with the residents, it's a go, Can you kind of walk us through what the day looked like and how it progressed?
2: Yeah, I mean, we were, there was a slight difference in how our approach would be the next time. Um, Because of the criminal activity, we couldn't tell our staff what was going on um, because the police had a a whole operation that was happening up till, you know, a few hours before the encampment work happened. Um, So day of, we all got together, did a debrief. We let our staff know um, what was going on. I think this was a big key um, with any of this type of work: is we gave staff the option right away. Uh, it's hard work, right? These are people that have been working with these individuals for a while, so we were just like, "Listen, guys, like this is what's going to happen, and if you're not comfortable with it, it's okay. We understand, and you know, we can get you into another world for the for the day." And then, um, so eight o'clock in the morning, we opened our housing hub and the outreach teams and DI staff went out onto the street. So we were the first responders to the encampment work. So the social services was the first responder. Um, And we just walked around and told everyone, listen, the city's made a decision and the encampment's going to come down, but we're here to support you. Don't worry right now about packing up your stuff or doing anything like that. Let's get you into the housing hub and figure out what your next steps are. When you're completed that, then we'll come back out and pack up, help you pack up all your stuff. Once we had a one, if we were working with one individual and then we got one tent that was like to a point that they were like, okay, no, I don't want anything else. At that point we would bring in the Calgary fire department and they would come on and do a hazard cleanup. And then um, once that was done, the city would come in and do the debris cleanup. So at no point were the enforcement officers or, or uniform officers or, or bylaw fire, anyone, they weren't dictating when the cleanup was happening the clients or the persons themselves were the ones actually dictating and saying, okay, I'm done. Um, and it was, you know, and then it was really cool because as the day progressed, you started to see a lot of the uniform officers coming in and having the conversations with individuals and saying like, Hey, listen, like, you know, the housing hubs over here, can I help you pack up? Um, at one point I looked over. And one of our managers of housing, Kate was walking with a bunch of client belongings and behind her are three, three police officers and the police officer's photographer. And she's got them all carrying belongings to put into storage. (laughs) Um, but I think the key to it, Mike was really the fact that the individuals on the street dictated when it was time, when they were done, um, And the city was totally prepared. If they have to be there until 10 o'clock at night, we were going to be there till 10 o'clock at night. Um, And then by, it was fortunate, by about 4 p.m., we were able to have the city crews come in and just do the full street clean. Um, And we went that whole day, you know, we had no negative interactions. There was no, you know, I mean, there was emotion. It was an emotional day, but the whole day was just so, it went so smoothly because we let the persons that were in the encampment dictate what the next stages of the day were.
1: Yeah. I mean, they had a voice, they had buy-in and they were leading the way, which is such a smart thing. And I loved what you said too, about the first people they saw were not people in Uniforms and the sands they would, people they knew, people they trusted, work through it. So amazing things. You touched on this a little bit. What about lessons learned? There's always some. Sounds like a great <laughs> day, but a few things maybe that you'd uh, you learned from the day.
2: I, um, one thing that we, you know, we didn't we we had sub, we had saved beds in our own shelter, for individuals, um, so that we could have a place for them to go. We probably would have, we would have liked to have that same set up in other shelters in the city. Um, so if an individual wants to go to a female shelter, only an only female shelter, we have a bed sitting there for them. Uh, we didn't, we didn't do that. So it was one area that we would like to see if we do this work again. Um, another one of the lessons was. You know, that we we knew media was going to be part of this. We knew that it was going to be, there was going to be media involved. And, um, you know, we were proactive with our media, um, but we we didn't have someone on site as a one point of contact for those, for the media to, to have conversations with. Um, you know, all we were doing was saying, you know, call the, the Calgary Police Services media line. But having someone right there present would have, would have helped. Um, and then I think the biggest thing was client belongings and storage. And I know everyone that's listening that is involved with shelter goes through this exact same thing. Um, you know, we wanted to get people off of the street into shelter. And we had to make some on-the-spot changes to... Our rules in the shelter around belongings. Um, we got to a point where we just threw it out the window, yeah. um, and said, you know, anyone and anyone, everything can come in. We'll store it for you. And the the city was really great as well about adapting with that. And their bylaw services actually decided to store some people's belongings. Um, we had a pet that was out there that we were able to, you know, on the spot make a call to the Humane Society and get them the pet in there for short term emergency stay and that. So having those things kind of more in place um was a big learning. And then knowing that, you know, we went into it and I think we we thought that we were going to get every single person into the shelter. Knowing that, you know, the people that individuals have the right to know to go where they want to go. And if someone doesn't Mm -hmm. want to come into shelter, that's okay. Um, and I think the last, you know, I, I don't know if it was a lessons learned, but it was definitely, um, something that we kind of put in at the last minute was, um, having a time set up for the staff that were involved in, in the work to have a proper debrief afterwards. Um, you know, the, the work is hard, it's a very emotional day, so having that safe place for staff to, you know, debrief, we did one the day of, we did one the following day, uh, totally voluntary, um, but just giving them that, that safe space to de- debrief about their, their own emotions.
1: Yeah, so great. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's a it's a tough day, but it sounds like an amazing day. You're right. Listen, the work we do is not an after school special. Not everyone is going to say perfect. Uh, this works for me. Um, there always are going to be some challenging situations. So let me ask you uh, one last thing here. What was the community response? Because now, and I ask you that because the response from our community on social media with some of the uh, encampments that were taken down in Toronto was not positive. Can I ask you what your community response?
2: It was positive. Uh, I mean, there's always going to be a negative, uh, and we know that, sure. right. Um, but in general, it was positive. The, the Calgary drop-in center is in the east side of Calgary. It's a, it's a residential area. Um, you know, we, the the community as a whole started to see some of the, the localized crime come down. Um, you know, so, they really started to see, they were, they were really impressed with the work that was done. Um, you know, we were fortunate that we had someone in the media that was there the day of that wrote an incredible article that really painted the picture of what mm. we were doing. So that certainly helped. Um, you know, I think there's a flip side to that as well, is that there's the community as the greater whole, but there's also the community of the individuals that were in that access the shelter and our staff is part of that community. Um, and, you know, we're all dealing with the opioid pandemic and trying to get through that. Um, You know, the the week after the encampment work, we saw almost a 50% reduction in the amount of overdoses in our building uh, that we were responding to. Um, And then we started, we did a survey afterwards and we started to really hear from clients that they felt safer now that the encampment wasn't out there. you know, but, you know, so there's the larger community, but there's also our little community and everyone, staff and clients, were really starting to feel a little safer.
1: Awesome. Well, it sounds like, you know, there's so much we can learn from that. You were saying about lessons learned. There's so many good things. And, you know, for the rest of the country, uh, as we look at how can we best serve folks that are in in encampments as you said at the very beginning i don't think anyone goes there because it's their first choice but it's a choice where maybe that's where they feel safe for they feel safe for now and you know they feel like they don't have options right or the options that are available are not right for them you provided so many different options you worked hard to build those trust trusty relationships which is huge Um, the police took a a non-enforcement approach to it more of a partnership, helpful approach to it, I think, which worked uh, for everyone. So it sounds like quite a success and one that all of us can learn from. And so if people want to check out, I know there's some great stories you shared, uh, with me, some links to stories. So if people want to see those or learn more about the, the nation, or I could say international leading work that the Calgary DI is doing, where would they go?
2: Um, you can always check out our website, uh, Calgary drop-in center, but CA, um, and then, um, you know, we're so open to sharing and communicating and helping and learning from other people right um that people can reach out to me directly um you know and i think they can email me at kevinw@thedi.ca at um cuz we're always looking to to connect with other people and you know we like to share our learnings and i know like michael you talked about the 400 doors and talking with the, with the team afterwards. Uh, we learned stuff from you guys that you did and it was amazing to be able to share that work.
1: It is great to go back and forth and and, and listeners, trust me, Kevin is not, that's not lip service, we have, uh, well, I mean, they, they were one of the uh, founding leaders in the uh, Canadian Transforma- uh, shelter transformation network. And really what that is all about is, hey, let's, let's stop looking at that caretaking approach uh, people deserve better. Let's kind of move them rapidly into housing at their own speed, uh, with the right wraparound support. So You guys are doing incredible work. We are so grateful for it, as are our most vulnerable across the country. Uh, thank you so much for sharing this story. I think is a very positive story. We don't hear a lot of positive stories around encampments uh, coming down. So I, I, you know, when I heard of, of the great work you were doing, I'm like, we have to share this. It's important. Thank you so much, Kevin, for all you do and your team uh, at the Calgary DI. It's so appreciated. Thanks for coming on the show.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Well, listeners, this is a very important uh, episode. I mean, they all are. There's all sorts of learnings, education, awareness from all our episodes. But this one in particular, just around encampments, there's so much negativity around when you hear uh, encampments are coming down. Um, And I think it's just really the approach to it. There's some great approaches out there it is about building trusting relationships which of course the calgary di has done for years and building those relationships not just with their clients but the trusting relationships with law enforcement and fire and bylaw and other partners in the area no one does it alone they have shown us the way uh, and they even want to build on that uh, for the future Because unfortunately, there's more encampments out there, if we learn each time, I think we're going to get to a place where we can best serve our most vulnerable moving forward to make sure everyone has a safe place to call home. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Hey, uh, you know, go in, check out, go to onthewayhome.ca, check out. We've got, I think now, close to 70 episodes over the last year and a bit. So fabulous guests. This week uh, was no exception. And we uh, so appreciate you listening, sharing. Hey, write a comment, leave a comment. Let us know how we're doing. If you have an idea around an awesome guest, reach out to me at michael.b at And uh, we'd love to look into that. But until then, we will see you next week on the way home.